All right, I'm going to start off with a word of prayer really quick, and then we can get into it. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can um, gather together and learn about your word. I thank you uh, for this passage that we could study it and that we can just learn about who you are and the example you set before us. I ask that we would uh, follow that example and use it to encourage one another uh, throughout the week. And in your name, amen. So, when I was in my first year of community college, I got my first car. It was a car that my parents pretty much gave it to me because I was an hour away and I needed to drive back and forth to college and to work. And when that happened, I was the most excited 18-year-old that you could imagine. Because I thought, you know, I have keys, I have a car, what could go wrong, right? Well, a lot could go wrong because I was still 18. I remember uh, there was this one road that in, in Michigan that we didn't dare go down because you'd get your car stuck. And I thought, as a kid, if I could go down that road and make it to the other side, my friends would think I was way cooler than I already was, which is a common misconception. <laughs> but the thing is, is this in Michigan, the roads aren't just bad, they're really bad because it was really rainy and wet and create these potholes and these trenches and these mud puddles and then guys with big lifted trucks would go and make it a lot worse. <laughs> and so that was, that was what this road was like. And I thought, you know, if I could do that, then I, then I would be successful. I, and so I, I drove at like 45, 35 miles an hour to get a head start because I was going to need it to get through this mud hole. And I got about a mile and a half down the road and instantly high centered. <laughs> and I remember calling my dad and saying, uh, Dad, you know that car you gave me? Well, I happened to bury it on Went Road. And he's like, Went Road? I just heard of some, some kids that got buried in there. And he's like, but I never thought you would be one of them. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he pulled me out. And the thing is, is I had the wrong mindset. I had the wrong mindset of, of my car. I thought my car was something to be used to impress my friends, not something that my parents gave me as a gift to, um, you know, go to and fro from work to college. And as Christians, we need to have a proper mindset. We need to have a mindset based on Christ's example. We can have a Christ-like mindset by having three views about Christ's example. We can have a proper mindset by having three views about Christ's example. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2, 5-8. through And in this text, we're going to start in verse 5. And verse 5 says, let me find it. Have this, or let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
The this mind is referring to Philippians 2, 1 through 4. You know, that's, that's the context. And, and I'll just read that really quick. It says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not or look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what he's saying is, I, I find in verse 3 sums it up really well, the this mindset is in humility count others more significant than yourselves. But he's saying to look to Christ for that. And also in verse 5, we see Paul is talking to the Philippian believers and he's saying continually have this mindset. It's not just a one and done type of thing where it's like, oh yeah, I remember Christ. Now, now that's, that's good and all. But no, it, it's continually being reminded of Christ's example. And in verse 6, we see that. It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So let, let's camp first here when it says, though he was the form of God. The first view that we must have to understand the example of Christ is that he is equal with God. He is 100% equal with God. The, the word form means the very essence the very being of God. So when it says, though he was in the form of God, that's saying he was God. And we see that in other texts in like uh, John 1.1 where it says, in the beginning, he was with God and he was God. He was the Word and the Word was with God and he was God. And, and we see that um, God is, or Jesus is equal with God. And the reason why this is important is because if we don't understand that Jesus was God, then we elevate humanity's pride. Um, I was just talking, we talked about, um, in, in prayer requests, I was telling you about that, that boy I was talking about uh, spiritual conversations with. One of the things he told me is that uh, he, the LDS religion believes that... Um, Jesus is like our brothers, and he worked up to be a God, or worked up to be perfect. And the problem with that view is that is a view that says we, as, as man, can become God. We can work up to God. Where the biblical view here is, no, Jesus, who is God, worked down to us in a sense. He came down to us. And that's the example we need to have when we're thinking about uh, each other, when we're thinking about our, our relationships. It says that uh, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I find myself sometimes uh, grasping on to different things. When, like, like for example, uh, with, with my roommates. So I live with two other guys, and we're working on a dishes schedule, right? Getting the dishes done on time and who does dishes when. And a lot of times I'll look at the dishes 
and, and I'll, I'll see them piled up on, on someone's day when they're really busy, and I'll think to myself, it's my right that I don't have to do dishes this day. You know, I, I grab onto that. I say, this is, this is not my day. I don't deserve to do this. But that's not a Christ-like love. A Christ-like love gives up your rights, gives up um, your comforts to do something else for someone else. Can we give up our rights for love? I find that Christ didn't hesitate to give up His rights, to give up His comforts to come down to a sin-cursed world. Wow. I bet if we had that mindset, our relationships would look completely different. We would be a testimony to a lot of people. Let's keep reading in verse 7. In verse 7, it says, But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The second view we need to understand is that Christ made himself nothing for us. The second view we need to understand is that Christ made himself nothing for us. The word nothing means empty or void. And, and what, a, what a great picture. Christ emptying himself for us. Christ made himself empty of all the godly rights he had so that we could become children of God. That is, is something that we can't even... It's hard to even understand that amount of love. Uh, one way... One way I can, I can explain it is uh, two years ago, I went to the Philippines on a missions trip. And uh, just to give you a little bit of context, Filipino people, they, they view Americans as like the best, the best of the best. Because, you know, we helped them out in World War II. Uh, we have all the money, all the stuff, all the nice houses. And so they they like view Americans as like the top of society. And when I was doing missions work, I found it was very hard to talk to the kids because the kids were afraid to talk to me because they couldn't speak English that well. And they were afraid they were going to mess up and, you know, dishonor their, their family name or whatever. So like that was a hard barrier. And, and we had VBS and I remember all the kids would come to me, but they wouldn't talk to me. They, they wanted pictures and they wanted you know, pictures to show off to their friends and say, I was with the American, you know. And so it wasn't until I visited their houses. You know, when we went into, they, they, at the time it was in Manila, and they lived in these slums that were, you know, covered in garbage and sewage. And I remember it even felt a little uncomfortable being there, but it wasn't until I lived among them, until I I, I was with their families until I played with the toys they played with, until I walked into their houses. That's when they started opening up to me. And I find Christ did the same thing for us. He lived among us. He gave up His godly comforts, His um, position, in a sense, to live among the garbage, to live among our sin, to live to see people steal, to see people lie, to see prostitution, all these horrible things. But he did it because he loved us, because he wanted to get to know us, because he wanted to have a relationship with us. 
And my question for us is, do we have that same love? Do we have that same love for other people? Do we have this attitude when we evangelize the lost? I find In Scripture, you notice that Christ is found a lot of times with prostitutes and tax collectors. You know, the, the dirtiest of the dirty in, in society at that time. And he, he hurt for them. He made himself low so he can reach them. Uh, one, of my, one of my Bible school teachers has a really good quote that I've, I've always enjoyed. And it's, evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. And, and that, that is, that's, that's it. It's, it's a person who's a sinner telling another sinner who can, who can save us, you know, who can be that Savior. And I find when we, when we live in an LDS community, in a community that is very much works-based, it's good to let LDS people know that sometimes we fail too. Sometimes we're not human, or sometimes we're human too. Because that's, that's, what, will, that's what will really get them to start asking those questions. That's what I remember the first deep conversation I had with this 15-year-old boy was when he came up to me and he said, Mitch, he said, if you knew how bad I was in high school, you wouldn't talk to me because you're a missionary and I'm actually a bad kid. And I told him, you know what? I'm bad too. I, I lie sometimes. I don't do my chores. I don't clean my room when I should. Like, like there's, and, and I even told him some of the deeper sins, like um, me struggling with, with moving to Utah, with, with giving up my dog to come here, and, and different things like that. And that's what started that, that gospel opportunity, is him realizing, oh, he, he doesn't care if I'm a good person. He loves me even if I'm a bad person. And that's what, the mindset we need to have. I think Paul uh, very accurately displayed that when he said, when he wished to be accursed for his Jewish people. Do we have that heart? Do we want, do we view ourselves that way that we would be accursed for people to come to Christ? That we'd be accursed for our, our LDS friend and atheist friends to come to Christ? But we also see that Christ was a servant. And it's kind of hard to see what a servant is in our culture because we don't really have um, you know, slaves or, or maids or, or servants. But uh, I really kind of understood that when I went to... I, I went on a trip to Vietnam once and they had a maid. And, and, and my host family there, their maid did everything. She prepared the meals. She cleaned the house. And it was almost like her only right was just that she got food, water, and lived there. That was it. And so that's kind of the attitude that Christ had, is he had that servant attitude. Actually, in John 13, I think the best picture of Christ's servant attitude is how he washed the disciples' feet. It says in verse 12, it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say unto you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is, mas- nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Christ's example was ultimate humility. And he's our Lord, and he's our master. What, what, what is that saying for us? You know, like, that's the tone. That's the, that's the goal. And he said it for us. Even through washing the disciples' feet. But uh, one thing that uh, is talked about a lot is, is Christmas time, right? Being made in man's likeness. But how many times do we as believers think about the incarnation of Christ when it's not Christmas? You know, when just throughout our everyday. Think about Christ being born in an animal trough instead of coming in it as, an, as a mature man in a, in a blaze of glory. He decided to come as a lowly baby in an animal trough. Like that, that gives you the the amount of humbleness and service and love Christ had for us. And even in Isaiah, we see that he didn't really have any special appearance. He could have come as this strapping, good-looking Tom Cruise, right? But instead he came as, as just an ordinary man. In Isaiah 53.2 it says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. And again, the question comes back to what are we willing to give to show others we love them? What are we willing to sacrifice? A good good example of this is in Luke 14 when it talks about uh, what Christ desires for a disciple. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And then it goes on to say, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And the reason why Christ is saying this, and I find this is so fitting, because it talks about what king going out to encounter another king in war doesn't sit down and and calculate the cost. Christ is our king. And he he did count the cost. And the cost was that he had to live as a man for 30 years, and die on a cross. That's, that's the cost that Christ was willing to pay. Um, when I first moved to Utah, I found one of the things that really interests me the most is the fact that people ask, where are you from? So often. Like, I've been in so many different states, and people don't ask that question as often. And it's because... I'm not as like I'm not as culturally 
um, used to the Utah culture where it's more individualistic because I would talk to people on the walking path and they would be like, why are you talking to me? Where are you from? <laughs> you know, like, because they, they thought that's, it's not normal for people to talk to each other. And, and one thing I, I, I had to give up in moving here was I came from a place where, you know, Nebraska, Wyoming, where it's very communal. You know, uh, a town of 2,000 people where everybody knows everything about everyone. You know, and, and, and you, could, you could, when people say, come over any time, they literally meant, don't plan anything. Because the times I'd try and plan stuff, they would be like, oh no, that wouldn't work, that wouldn't work. But if I came, they would be like, okay, yeah, you can come in. We're in the middle of dinner, but it's okay. And it's like, I'm not used to that. But the thing is, is we have to give things up if we want to show people we love them. We have to give up our comforts. A uh, good way of that is sometimes... Uh, when, when someone's struggling, it's uncomfortable to tell them or to, to help them, to correct them. I, especially for me, I'm, I'm the type where it's either I'm extreme where I, you know, bash them with a stick and be like, you need to fix this. Or I'm, I'm way too soft and I'm like, no, no, I, I just won't bring it up. It's uncomfortable. And God, God-like love is something where we're willing to set aside our comforts to correct, to encourage, to help our fellow believers, our fellow um, people in church. Christ not only lived in humbleness and servanthood, He died in it. In verse 8, it says, In being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled Himself to death. Start to finish. From start to finish, Christ gave everything for us. Christ gave everything to glorify God. When we wake up in the morning, is our first thought, thy will be done, or is it my will be done? Because <laughs> a lot of times I find myself thinking, okay, what am I going to do today? What, what am I going to do to relax? You know, that especially like after work. You know, I come home, I'm really tired. I work with, with kids, so I'm, I'm pretty beat when I come home. And the first thing I think about is myself. And, and, and my roommates have sometimes suffered from that. You know, they, they've suffered from me being selfish or even cranky when I really should be giving, giving myself up for other people throughout the whole day, not just when I'm at work and unbelievers are watching. Uh, a good a pastor told me once, a good way to tell if, if, a, if someone is spiritual is look at their home life. And, and that, I don't know, that hit me home really hard because like the home, home life can be the hardest place to sacrifice your comforts, the hardest place to saffer, sacrifice um, stuff for other people. But we see that the cross is not just a regular death, but especially in, in Jewish culture and even biblically, it's, it's, a, it's viewed as someone who is accursed, someone who is despised, shamed. In Galatians uh, 3.13, it says, Christ redeemed us from... Uh, where was it? It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law 
by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So, Christ chose the most cursed death, the most despised death for us. He became cursed so we could have a relationship with God. He became cursed and lived under the law so we wouldn't have to. Do we have, that, do we have faith? Not only that saves us, you know, because salvation comes through believing that Christ's sacrifice is enough, but we also need to have faith that Christ's example is enough for us to love with a Christ-like love. It's enough for us to look at, at His example, how He lived life, to, to read the Gospels and really understand how Christ loved people and live it out. Um, in John 15, 13, it says, no, Our greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And the cool part is, is if we have a perfect Savior, if we have a Savior without sin, we all, that also means the Savior has loved us in a perfect way. He can't love us any more than He has. And, and the cross was the completion of that love, that perfection of His love for us, of God showing um, how much He loved us. It was almost like someone saying, okay, God, put your money where your mouth is, and He did. He did by sending Jesus to the cross, by sending Jesus as a man. As humans with a sin nature, I hate I. I hate to be humbled. Uh, I remember not too long ago, uh, I was ice fishing out at Manaway, and I had my big like, leather jacket, and I think I had a Carhartt under that with a bunch of holes in it. And then I had my big bulky snow pants with holes in it. And I honestly looked homeless, but it was because I was going ice fishing. And I didn't have any bait, and I was going to go into the diner there because they, I thought they had a bait shop in there. And so I walked in, you know, with my big, you know, gear on, and everybody's sitting there, and they look at me. <laughs> I remember I did not like that. I, I was humbled there. Like, I, I was embarrassed. Um, I felt, I felt like, like a homeless guy. And I can't imagine the looks that the Pharisees gave, the Pharisees and the Romans gave Christ as he was hanging on that cross. That, that look of disgust of, you say you're the Savior, but yet you can't save yourself. And Christ bearing that for us. Christ bearing that shame, that humiliation, even though him fully, full well knowing that he's God. That's the love. That's the extent we need to go for others, is, is willing to take on shame, embarrassment, humility for, for our others in our relationships. So as believers, we must have three views about Christ's example. And they are that He is equal with God, He made Himself nothing, and that He died a humble death on, his, on the cross. So that he's equal with God, that he made himself nothing, and that he died a humble death on the cross. Just like how I chose how to drive the car, we need to choose how to live our lives. 
Do, I, do we drive ourselves to have a sacrificial mindset like Christ? Do we drive ourselves to um, do, do things for each other, to think of other people above ourselves, even people we don't like? I find that that can be very difficult uh, to pray for someone that you don't like. <laughs> that was something that I, I really struggled through. Even with reading this passage, sometimes uh, when I'm cranky at someone, it's really hard or angry or bitter at someone. The best way to get rid of that bitterness, the best way to uh, get rid of that anger is to pray for them, I found. It, to, to, to hurt for them. To think, oh, maybe they had a bad day. And to, to even humble yourself to, I guess, their level. We see uh, before the humiliating death on the cross, Jesus actually prayed for us, prayed for believers to be unified through his love. And that's in John 17, 20 through 23. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in, in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, they are also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Now here, here comes the important part. So that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them, even as you loved me. What Christ is praying is that we would live a life that is so others-focused and so filled with love that other people could look at our lives and say, that person loves unconditionally. Or that person loves me even though I'm this, that, or the other thing. A love that can only come from God. An agape love. Do we have that love for spouses? for roommates, for co-workers, for churchgoers, and even complete strangers that we don't even know. Showing unconditional love is a way that we can show the gospel. It's a way that we can show Christ's love for us. And the gospel is simply believing that Christ died for us, that he, being fully God, fully man, took a God-sized punishment for us, for our sins. And it's only faith that, that can give us that relationship. And the thing is, is as believers, we can have faith that if we live out that love, the world can see Christ through us. I mean, that's what Christ prays for right before he was uh, hung on the cross. He prayed for that love. He prayed that we would have that. We need to remember that we love because he first loved us. And that is, is the main point that Paul's getting at. That's the main emphasis. Is guys, love each other, especially in the body of Christ, because I gave you love first. I, or, or Christ gave us love first. And that's who we should be striving for and how we live our day-to-day -day lives. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, I thank you for this time that we can uh, really express your love and really um, dig deep into how you love us, Lord, and why you love us, and, and see your example of your godly, perfect love. Lord, I ask that we would live in that love day to day, that we would um, sacrifice. If we, if we know someone in church is in need, that we would set aside all comforts to fill that need, that we would put other people uh, before ourselves just as you did by being born in our sin-cursed world and dying uh, as a sin-cursed man. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you did save us and that you have given us power to live like this, to live like you. And I ask that as we transition into communion, that we would think about that love and, that, and about you giving your body and your blood for us. And in your name, amen.